Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the You Should Run podcast. I'm Tony Heil, council member in Bridgeport, Pennsylvania, just outside of Philadelphia. And if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that I have talked with people from every state in the country, including Washington, D.C. And one of my favorite states where I've talked with a few people has been Wisconsin. I I don't know when and how I became friends with people in Wisconsin, but some of the coolest people are there. Um, You might remember past episodes with Emily Segrist uh, and a few others who ran there and shared their perspective about especially how they running encouraged other people to run and may have been influential to um, pulling up other votes for other offices as well because it's a team effort. Uh, One person I'm excited to talk to today is the mayor of Wausau in uh, Wisconsin, and I hope I spelled that right. Um, Her name is Katie Rosenberg, and we're going to talk about her history, and I think that she's probably had a year in office that she did not expect, but she seems to be handling it very well, and I want to hear what she's got to say and hopefully encourage you to run. So, Katie, thank you for joining today. Hey, thanks for inviting me. What you're perceiving from Wisconsin uh, is Midwest nice, I think, so that's why you love Wisconsin. Well, it's Wisconsin's interesting, of course, because it is so... divided right in a lot of ways like it's the you have maybe the worst senator and one of the best senators you have um one of the you know very far right people in the legislature and then a really cool governor you have so you have everything there right it's um more diversity politically than people realize oh yeah there's a lot going on (laughs) a lot so is that what it's like in your town too or you have like a nice little area that's free from all Oh, no, it's the same here, too. Um, you know, we if you look at the election results, like if you just take the last 2020 election, um, you'll see my county is um, solid red. Um, but if you dive into the cities, you'll see that Wausau is a nice little purple. Um, you know, they went 56 for um, Joe Biden. And, you know, you'll see that all the way up. Um, I'm, I'm thinking up the Wisconsin River. You see that in Rhinelander. You see that in Merrill. Um, you see that um, also all over the place. So, you know, very very purple. So we have to learn to live with each other and talk about the issues and try not to get too personal. And I noticed that from your campaign site and the things you've discussed, while you um, have progressive vision, you're you're a cool democratic person, um, (laughs) when I go and listen to the things you've done and how you talk about them, it doesn't sound very partisan in the way that you discuss details of being a mayor. Yeah, well, you know, one of the things about being a mayor in Wisconsin is that you don't declare political party. Mm-hmm. It's a nonpartisan office. So while I'm not pretending to be anything that I'm not, I'm obviously, you know, bending one way more than another. Um, I do represent everybody here, and it's really important that I'm able to talk to people and get their buy-in on things, even if maybe it's a challenge. So that's really important. You know, again, I was elected with 55% of the vote, and... <laughs> I represent everybody, so it's not just 55% of the people I represent. And from talking to a lot of other people here, and my own personal experience as well, it feels like that, what you just said, is very much kind of the democratic vision now. is not just about being progressive or this issue or another, but it's the pro-governing party, not just a pro-government party. And there's other people who seem to just be opposed to the basics of governing. Um mm-hmm. You have some experience before being mayor, which I want to talk about, but um, is that your vision is just governing well? 
yeah, I want to do the right things for the right reasons. And, okay, so maybe some of it comes from being a philosophy nerd. Like, I'm really interested in making those good decisions and following up because it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. So I do really care about governing and the machinations and doing it correctly and following the process. Um, and not just because it's, you know, quaint and given to us from from the old-timey uh, gov- government, but um, I care about following that process so that we can anticipate how we work together. Mm-hmm. So. so, like I said, you have some experience um, mm-hmm. that probably became very valuable this year, um, <laughs> which you didn't maybe not didn't expect. What When did you first get involved in politics in general? When, was there something that, have you always been interested um, or did something kind of spark you a few years ago? Oh, yeah. So I pretty much have grown up in this. My family has always been very into current events and and understanding what's going on in the world and formulating an opinion about it. You know, my grandparents, I remember I spent a lot of time with my grandma growing up and she was a member of, uh, or she was the founding member of Wausau Area Peace Network. So she had some very specific things she supported. Um, And then when I was in middle school, my dad ran for older person for the first time. Mm -hmm. And I got really into it. And, you know, he would take me to meetings and introduce me to people. And I really liked it. And, you know, he even got a lot of hate, too. You know, people Mm -hmm. called up and were angry about decisions. Um, But he handled it so well. It was just, you know, he didn't have a problem if somebody disagreed with him. And I think that was something that I was like, you know, you can do this. You can you can make these decisions and you can disagree and it can be fine. Um, So then in high school, the mayor at the time, uh, when I was in high school, created the Mayor's Youth Action Council. So, of course, I'm like, sign me up. I want to be on this. And they gave us. $25,000 $25,000 of the budget, the city budget, to figure out, like, how do we engage young people in Wausau? So we created a we created a 400 Black Rocks concert series. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's it kind of drifted away from that initial thing, but there's still a lot going on that kind of feels like it came from that era. So I feel good about that. Um, but so, again, always been interested. Um, but then in 2015, um, my county board supervisor uh, retired or well moved away. So there's a vacancy, and I thought, you know, maybe, maybe now is my time. Mm-hmm. So, um, and and I applied for that vacancy. I was really excited. Um, <laughs> the county board supervisor that moved away was my dad, uh, and like I said, you know, he was very into. You know, he he's a really jovial person, um, but he's got a very specific point of view. And so when I went to the interview, I went in and I was like, I want to do this, and I'm interested in mental health, and I want to do this. And <laughs> I think the county board chair looked at the vice chair and was like. I, I don't think I need another Rosenberg in my life. Uh, <laughs> and they did not appoint me. And, you know, it was really, it was kind of upsetting. And, you know, I, I rode past the guy's house who was appointed. And I was like, his house is for sale. What is this? And so at that point, I was like, you know, I'm just going to run for the seat. You know, it's it's open in nine months. I've got time to think about how I want to campaign. So that's what I did. I ran. Um, and I think one of the things about the Marathon County Board that's interesting, that it's 38 members. It's the largest in the nation. So. Yeah. And so when I announced, it was kind of interesting to the media and um, because I made it interesting and they called up the guy who was in the seat and they're like, are you going to run for re-election? And I think he was kind of taken aback, like, ah, the media doesn't cover county board stuff and they don't care about campaigns. Mm -hmm. Um, And he just he ended up not turning in his campaign papers. He didn't do anything. So on the day they were all due, I called the clerk. I was like, all right, who's on the ballot? And she said, well, I have some bad news for you, Katie. <laughs> we have to keep your district open for three more days because the person didn't fill out the paperwork and 
and you have to leave it open because he didn't say that he was running or not running. So I had to wait three more excruciating days, um, and then I was the only person on the ballot. So it was kind of anticlimactic after all that, but I, I got in, I was able to talk about all the stuff, and um, healthcare, mental health care was really my top issue, um, and we were able to renovate our healthcare center, mm -hmm. um, get new nursing home, um, and then we even built a youth crisis hospital, which is really important right now. So I feel really good about all that stuff. I feel like I'm meandering all over the place. But, but that, yeah, that's how I got started. But <laughs> mental health and nursing home issues are so important. It's like, so yeah. you ran and became mayor, and we'll talk about that in a second, but um, I guess when this all happened, and you don't even have to say it, it's kind of like the blip <laughs> in the star in the Marvel Universe, right? Just, um, you... You just kind of, you had this experience ready. Were you like, this is what I was trained for? This is like, I have, I don't know how to do this, but I'm glad I have this experience instead of something else right now. Yeah, you know, it's, it's like nothing else. Um, you know, I came in and I really, I was like, we're going to have a strategic plan mm -hmm. and I'm going to attract and retain people and all, like all of the things I wanted to work on. And then it's like, you, you just can't, like they're you have a pandemic and this is what you're focused on and you have to keep people safe and you have to make sure that people are um, not losing their livelihoods. Like there's so much about this pandemic that like you just didn't even think about. I mean, even, you know, I'm glad I had the experience with the county because I had good relationships and mm -hmm. there were things I wanted to do. They're actually the, the county is the owner of the health department. So we don't have a health department. So we had, we got into a little bit of, um, you know, pressure because, um, the city residents are a little bit more liberal than the county residents, and they wanted me to make sweeping um, designations and orders, but I really couldn't. I didn't have the authority of a health department here, right. so I'm pressuring the health department. So, but you know, we were able to have those discussions, um, and and that was really what helped. I think the other thing that helped is that nobody, like people, have been mayor for thirty years or for thirty seconds. Nobody had gone through this, right. so. We were all in this together, um, and I felt like people were reaching out and trying to help. I really I feel good about the network of mayors. I have a bunch of buddies now. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> and I, there are thousands of mayors in the country. People don't realize that from towns like mine, which are smaller, um, to, you know, obviously big cities like Philadelphia. Um, and so I imagine when you become a mayor, you suddenly become part of a network where you can, you're not on your own necessarily, even mm -hmm. if you're the only mayor in town. Yeah, that's actually the, the thing that makes me feel good about this every day is that knowing that I do have this network to lean on. Um, mm -hmm. And especially, you know, there, there are some subtle differences between being a woman mayor and being um, mm -hmm. a, a man mayor. And so I've built this really good network of women mayors that's been helpful, um, kind of parsing through things, you know, maybe feeling less, um, <laughs> less nervous about asking the stupid questions and things like that. Yeah. So it's been really good. Yeah, uh, my town, my, my um, the per, uh, woman who was on council had to step down because she moved to just another ward. But she's running for mayor. She'll be the first female mayor in our borough, or, which is a town in, in Pennsylvania. Uh, so we need more of that. Um, and so but you ran for mayor. What, what made you decide to run for mayor after that? Because it seemed like you really wanted to do that. Um, is it just yeah. the opening or something else that came up? Yeah. So, you know, like anything, um, you you do a lot of thinking about the stuff you enjoy. And I really w enjoy county board. I really like being a member of that policy body. Mm -hmm. um, I like talking about those issues. I think that um, it's, I just loved it. 
And I was spending more and more time. You know, it's you get $5,000 a year for being on county board. And, you know, you should probably be spending, you know, fewer than 20 hours a week right. on it, right? Like that is, But not me. I was like, oh, I'm going to do this. And this is my whole plan. And, you know, again, you're a member of 38. And there's a limit. I mean, you're always going to face those limitations. So I was like, how do I get more done? How do I be more impactful? Um, and it was actually when I was running um, the second time, um, I was talking to one of my friends. And he's like, so are you going to do this forever? Are you going to be on county board? I was like, oh, I'm not going to be a county I'm a new lifer. You know, I'm not going to be, mm-hmm. you know, sitting around there making the same decisions uh, for 20 years. And he's like, well, what are you going to do? I, like, I don't know. I, I want to do this, though. I want to do this full time. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, you know, maybe I should run for mayor. That would be, you know, like I would actually be able to focus full time on local government issues, which I think are so much cooler mm-hmm. than those federal issues. Um or even the state issues sometimes. You know, you have the caucus, you have all these, you know, rings to kiss. Like, local government is really cool. Um, and so it was that moment. I was like, I should think about this. So for two years, I kind of mulled it, mulled mm-hmm. about it. And I was like, I think I'm ready. I think, you know, I paid attention to the meetings. I learned about what issues they were talking about. Um, and they're related to the county stuff. But that's really, I thought a lot about it. <laughs> yeah. And now, for here in, in our town, which is, smaller than yours but you're you're not a huge city um it's really the council that does a lot of the policy making the mayor might recommend things um Mm -hmm. but um you know we decide what we're going to take up we pass the budget pass different uh ordinances etc um does a mayor do you get to get into the details and make policy much as a mayor or do you just kind of push guidelines yeah so uh we're a strong mayor system so i do have a lot of um I have a lot of weight when it comes to policy making and mm-hmm. weighing in on things. I'm technically a member of the council too. Um, I'm a non-voting member, mm-hmm. but I'm a member. Um, although I did just recently have my vo- first vote because I had to break a tie. Um, but I offer up a budget, um, and then the finance committee will will decide if they like what's in there or not. Um, I do take that liberty to design some policies if I think it's important. Um, But I really, I'm also cognizant that, um, you know, I'm a different branch of government. It Mm -hmm. is really important to have that policy body take ownership of the actions that they should. Because, you know, and especially right now, um, where you have to make challenging decisions and no matter what you do, someone's going to be mad about it. I mean, you can't tell everyone to wear a mask and assume that everyone's going to be like, all right, honky-dory, you're going to be great. And they really want to push that on somebody. And, you know, I saw some of that, you know, they're like, oh, well, it's the mayor's mask ordinance. I'm like, well, you have to vote on this, actually, but okay. So I, I want to push them to be to own their policy um, and not just, like, throw holy water on whatever I'm doing. Um, but I will throw some things in there. You know, I've created task forces with their, um, with their approval and things like that, and it's been really meaningful. Yeah, I, I feel like there are a lot of people in government, especially some of those local governments where you only make so much money a year, it's a part-time position, none of that's bad, but people who kind of go and expect to do the bare minimum and they're kind of surprised by someone like you, like who wants to actually do something with that position, whether it's a county or mayor. (laughs) Yeah. um, I, you know, like anything in life, you know, you bring all of your context with you. And when I do things, I'm just not really into kind of, oh, I was going to, I'm not really into just partially doing mm-hmm. it. I'm, I'm going to go all all in. I'm going to be the best at that that I can be. Um, so that's kind of how I am. You know, played roller derby, and, and I wanted to be the best pivot I could be, you know, 
I did jujitsu. I wanted to make sure I earned my blue belt. Um, <laughs> well, good for you. <laughs> you know, like I, I want to, I want to do the thing, and I want to do all of it, and until I'm done doing it. It's also like it's not really fun to just go and sit there in a meeting and then go home and then come back to the next meeting the next time, right? Like it's far yeah. more exciting and rewarding to sign up for more meetings to realize that you passed something and whatever you were involved in even if it was just asking questions that you had something to do with it as opposed to you're just a name on the dais yeah i completely agree i don't know why you'd want to just show up and be a quiet guy and not advocate for the things that you're passionate about or that your neighbors are passionate about mm -hmm. or things that happen in your neighborhood so mm -hmm. i think you're right um i like that you described meetings as fun um Sometimes they're fun. You're I miss. Definitely a nerd. <laughs> we have not had um, in-person meetings since last year, like a year's okay. worth now. And I, we had one in-person meeting for a uh, planning commission thing, which I, Ooh. well, no, there wasn't a planning commission. It was a zoning thing. But we, we have. I'm on a planning commission too, which is one of the reasons I was interested in talking with you. Um, <laughs> and it's so much more fun to answer a question and realize you can just change something and it's not that hard to do because nothing's going to happen if you don't bring it up yeah agreed completely we've been kind of in that hybrid mode and i think i mean you might agree or not but um it's a little difficult to get the whole feeling from your colleagues you don't see their body language you don't see their reactions mm -hmm. so well or they're exaggerated on zoom or something because um <laughs> you know maybe they're mad about something so right. it's it's a challenge this virtual world right now yeah, it's, and I miss, I actually like having people come to the meetings, even if sometimes public comment is frustrating or, you know, you roll your yeah. eyes and stuff. Um, and one thing with public comment and comments in general, you obviously have some sort of, um, you know, you, you have controversies in any town, but it can, can be kind of frustrating and challenging when people expect like, well, why didn't the mayor do this? Or why didn't the council member in my case do this? And you're like, no one said anything. I have an email, a social media, a staff, etc. Right. Does that happen a lot with you? You're like, just yeah, reach out. There's some, there's some of that. People assume you can read their minds, um, you know, and really, I mean, there's a whole universe of ways something could go sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it belong, and, and the outcome belongs to the people who talk about it and make those decisions. Right. Um, when it comes to public comment, I... I find it's easiest for me to like set the ground rules ahead of time, mm -hmm. even if everybody already knows about it. You know, I'm like, you get three minutes. You we do that can, too. You can only talk to me. You we cannot respond to your questions or comments, um, and that that kind of helps. But um, yeah, somebody told me I ran land commission like an auctioneer, um, and I'm going to take that as a compliment. I think, but I just want to keep it going. <laughs> now, a planning commission is one of those things that is secretly a very progressive thing to do, right? Like how. Totally. Why is a planning commission and those kind of committees, why is that one of the best parts of government? Oh, my gosh. Okay, first of all, like nobody knows they exist until right. all of a sudden they do, right. um, which is so interesting to me. You know, I had never attended a planned commission meeting until probably, I think it was 2019. Um, in my neighborhood, there was a big development for this youth crisis hospital, mm -hmm. and they were going to build it on their property, and the neighbors started getting mad about it because uh, they were notified that this was going to happen um, because that's part of the law. Mm -hmm. And they were upset that it was going to be built in what they considered their neighborhood park, which is actually the property that this this facility owns. Mm -hmm. um, 
So I attended, and I didn't really realize how much power they had, um, and also how many times you revisit issues like this. You know, you have a, a general plan and a precise plan and all of these different things. Um, and I was really surprised at, um, at, the, at the way people reacted <laughs> yeah. um, to this stuff. And I, I kept waiting. I was like, why isn't anyone going to say, like, this is really important, and it's their property? Um, but, you know, you are subject to the emotions of people who are there talking and mm -hmm. all of that. So, you know. <laughs> and if you're doing the planning beforehand, if you're part of the, the details, a lot yeah. of people don't realize that you pushed in a detail that may seem innocuous to them. But you're like, actually, this is something that's going to cut down on carbon emissions or, you totally. know, do this or that that's really good for the community. Yeah, um, it's really interesting to me. And, you know, just zoning in general, mm -hmm. you know, you hear about the history of zoning um, and you think, okay, there's a way to do this right. Um, but there's a lot going on there. And we just updated our zoning code and we're finding little things like we need to tweak now. You know, after a year, we're like, that doesn't quite work. Right. So. Yeah, and I'm finding, you know, we just got some funding in our town from the, uh, the American Rescue Plan. I assume you Ooh. hopefully got some funding too. Oh, yeah, we got 15.75 million, okay. so. We got a little bit less, <laughs> but we're, we're a smaller town. Uh, but we also are at a, we were not in as much of a crisis as some other places, for one reason or another. Um, but one of the, someone said, well, we could get more parking lots. Like, but Whoa. we, but we could discourage driving. We could, we could bike do things. Yeah, we, and, and so, and we do have a bike path coming in soon, which is great. It's going to bring awesome. in 500,000 people through our town. Um, and there was a big brouhaha for people who have been here forever, like, oh, that's going to take out a lane, like, but it's going to bring in all these bikers and people yeah. walkers. It's a good thing. Like, that's a, that's and then they're going to shop at our stores right. and use our things. It's great. Yeah, the bike path that's coming in actually goes right by a restaurant and a ice cream shop and now a new bike store. It's like, I think it's pretty yeah. convenient for people. It's going to be good. Sounds awesome. It is. Um. So are you making things like that, that um, in your planning, what, what kind of things are you looking for that may, that you might have your own touch on that um, yeah. you're excited for in the future that's going to be realized? Yeah. So, you know, we're still waiting for some clarification from Treasury about mm -hmm. how we can use those funds. But, you know, we have a couple of big projects um, for our water treatment facilities and our sewage yes. plant. And, you know, those are some things that actually are allowed um, under this plan. So. Mm -hmm thinking about how, what that looks like and how we can do that. And, you know, we've been talking about maybe we have a solar array that fuels um, our water treatment, our drinking water plant. Um, and we could get 80% of that plant um, fueled by the sun, which would be really amazing. And if we can use this um, funding to help offset that, I think we'd be in a really great place um, for the next 30 years. Yeah. Um, just, I think, I'm excited about stuff like that. And, of course, you know, we're talking about how do we partner with our county to make a better, um, like a bigger bang for our buck, talking mm -hmm. to some other municipalities too. You know, we have re regional tourism that, mm -hmm. you know, really suffered a lot underneath um, COVID. Yeah. So we've got a lot of ideas. I'm, I'm we're going to have to pare it back. Like my ideas alone, I'm like, okay, I'm going to write it all down and then we'll talk through it. Yeah. I feel like people in general don't realize the intricacies of a sewer plant. Until you have to deal with the intricacies of a sewer I did it? No. Who does? <laughs> oh, my gosh. And, you know, I was I was a little critical of, um, you know, the council made this decision before I got here. And I was like, oh, my gosh. This is, like, almost $20 million. And it's going to raise water rates and all this stuff. Like, 
isn't there a way we could have done something differently? And now that I'm here and, you know, I've experienced a failure um, in our sewage plant and I realize I'm like, you know, this is this is going to be better um, for the long haul. And I know we're all just going to have to, we're going to have to work through it together. Yeah, so. we, we have issues, I'm sure you do too, where you get an email from the manager and they're like, oh, this thing happened and it's another $50,000, $100,000 repair God. and it just happened this weekend. Because people don't realize that, and I'm sure it's the same way as you, a lot of these sewer issues, pipes, etc., are decades old. Very, very old. Oh my gosh. And not yeah, we're 100 years old on some of this stuff. It's, yeah. it's a lot. <laughs> so one of the things I was excited that you just talked about in your story is that you had an interest in running, and you kind of stoked that. Um, yeah. What can we do to kind of encourage that interest in running, and not, especially with women, running for offices like mayor, etc.? Um, because... I get this impression that there are a lot of people who think the best people in office are the people who don't want to be in office. But that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I think you can go either way. I mean, the best people in office are the people who are willing to put the work in, right? right. I mean, that's really the important part. So if you're a hard worker, if you're passionate about things, if you're bringing a, a viewpoint that maybe is underrepresented, that's important. Um, so when I, you know, when I ran for the first time, um, it it didn't feel like a big social um, point mm -hmm. because it was the beginning of 2016. Um, and I was, I, it was like, I'm just doing what I was meant to do. You know, my dad ran, I'm running now and I feel comfortable doing this, but I didn't realize until after I got there that I cared a lot about issues that maybe not everybody cared about. And when um, people came to meetings and they saw me sitting there saying things and, um, I actually had this experience where um, a young woman came to our Diversity Affairs Commission meeting, and I, I don't even remember what that meeting was about or what I said, and she she was just there to observe, and she was like, oh my gosh, I want to be like that. I want to do these things, and you know, she friended me on Facebook, and um, we talked about it, and she's so smart. She knows all about like rural environmental issues and all this, and I was like, you need to run. You should just run. Like mm -hmm. You would be so good. Um, and she did, and she won, and it was really great. Um, but it kind of created this whole catalyst of, like, when people see you, they're doing the thing, and they're like, oh, I could do that, too. Like, this isn't a mystery. Mm -hmm. This isn't, like, you have to be a 70-year-old man in a town chair to do this. Right. Um, like, just seeing somebody there, and, oh, they're talking about a diaper bank. That would help me as mm -hmm. a mom or whatever it is. So um, I think just getting out there. So we held a couple of... Um, I don't, they're not really training sessions, but maybe information sessions um, where we pulled a bunch of um, people who, women in government who have been doing this for a while or maybe a short time to kind of talk about their experiences, and even just the nuts and bolts of like, you have to make a candidate statement once you say you're going to run. You have to file that. Mm -hmm. You have to collect signatures. You have to do this thing. So like, getting people familiar with the process in that way too, because it is a mystery until you do it. You don't think about it. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And it's still... There's still things now where when I set my paperwork in I thought for my re-election this year, like, did I, I need an ethics form and this? No, just the, just the ethics form. Did I, do I declare that it's, you know, it having help helps. Um, and it, there's issues, like you just mentioned a diaper bank that I don't, like, I don't even know what that is. Hopefully you'll tell me in a minute, but that I probably wouldn't bring up even though I have kids and it would be very, yeah. very good for families like mine. So what would that kind of thing mean? Yeah, so diaper bank is a lot like a food bank, mm -hmm. um, but, you know, diapers, formula, all that is so expensive. Um, and so one of the things that I was discovering, and not just me, I mean, it's 
across the board, people who work in those spaces, um, that families, um, especially single moms, really are struggling to afford some of those things. So, yeah. um, having a facility set up um, or just a space in the food bank where they can get diapers, where they can get formula, um, is really important. And and actually, like as I dove into this and started talking, we have a brand new um, director of our food bank here, and she's amazing. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, have you ever heard about period poverty and mm-hmm. this and that? And I was like, oh, my gosh. So they're actually now being, they're able to push through um, a, a diaper bank that will include all all things for all people. So there'll be diapers, there'll be formula, there'll be, um, if, like, for, if you're elderly, incontinence products, mm-hmm. uh, period products, all that. Like, it's really it's really good and it's important and it's stuff you don't think about because um, you're not in that situation. <laughs> yeah, it's it, and I think now, from my experience this year, and I'm sure yours as well, um, there's so many problems behind closed doors, especially when there's a lockdown, COVID. Um, we have in our town, I've been helping out at our local community covered food bank. Uh, my son actually helped me. He's seven. He helped with scouts to do some volunteering there this week too. Um, but they have in our pretty well-to-do area, they're delivering 135 packages of stuff every week. Do you see a great need now that, you know, has increased because of this? Yeah, it's the need is massive. Um, one of the things we were we were struggling with was, oh my gosh, I'm echoing. <laughs> um, so we saw an increase, especially with people who are maybe entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, people, it wasn't just people who maybe um, grew up in poverty or whatever that is. Um, you know, there's this tendency to look at people in poverty and think that it's their fault, um, yeah. and we know that that's not true. Um, but I think this pandemic has shown us and exposed that there are a lot of people who are maybe $400 away from really needing a lot of help. Mm-hmm. And when I started, I, I volunteered at the food bank too, or, you know, we have Catholic charities that do a warming center. Um, you realize like, these are people that I actually know and have interacted with in my life. And you don't realize how close to the edge they really are. Yeah. So, um, you know, we had at one point almost 12% uh, unemployment in April at mm-hmm. the, the height of um, the lockdown. So, you know, it affected everybody. And if it didn't affect someone personally, it affected somebody they knew. And so we should not just normalize helping people, but also normalize being willing to accept help. Because I know there's a lot of people who yeah. feel like, because they, they, like you said, they've been told that poverty is a, a moral issue on you being poor, but it's not. No. And that's, that's one of the things that I've kind of been struggling with um, messaging is that, you know, like in America, we have this, like, if you work hard and you play by the rules, you're going to win. Right. And like, that's, if you work hard and you play by the rules, you're going to get somewhere. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, you might not be able to pull yourself out if you're deep, um, deep in the hole somewhere, if it's, you know, based on, you know, how you grew up, if you're dealing with, you know, trauma from your childhood or even PTSD, whatever it is, like it's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so people need help and it's okay. And it's, it's not a moral failing. No. Um, and you know, bootstraps that you need to have them to pull them up. So yeah. like, let's work on that. And winning is temporary. You may, like, you may have a good <laughs> job today and something oh. can easily happen tomorrow and it's not your fault. Oh my gosh. Those hedge funds and Reddit, like, I think that proves everything. Right, yeah, I still, I, I haven't been to GameStop. I'm not going to buy any GameStop. I'm good with that. You, you talk, that's a whole other thing. And there's already documentaries about it. It only happened like two, four weeks ago. Of course. 
So uh, with all that in mind, you can clearly do a lot of good work as a mayor, and you are already encouraging people to run. Um, if, do you have any words now? Um, there are a lot of um, people who are coming out of this pandemic. It's ending, hopefully. It's getting better. Um, why would you encourage people to run now, and what would you hope they would bring to the table looking forward, whether it's mayor or any other office? Yeah, you know, I think um, in a lot of ways, um, you can be transformational any moment of, of this time, but right now you're even more, you have a big ability. Mm -hmm. um, we have all this money, you have this influx. Um, you just have this opportunity to make big decisions. So I think if, if you're willing to stand up and, and make hard decisions and, and kind of direct, um, that now is your time. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be different than just, you know, the stability of whatever we were able to go through for the last 10 years. Um, but you can really make a big difference right now. Great. Well, I, I typed down that line amongst everything else you said. You can be transformational at any moment. That's that's the best lesson out of this. Um, finally, Katie, if anyone wants to contact you, learn more about you through social media, where should they go to follow you online to learn more about what you're doing and, and maybe hear about like things like the Planning Commission, which are really, really positive things to do? Yeah, sure. So I, I think that we got to know each other through Twitter, so mm -hmm. I'm pretty active there. So follow me there, Katie Rosenberg. Um, but, you know, we have uh, we have lots of stuff on our city website. I'm expecting to update that soon. So it's super user-friendly, so you can check out what we're doing. Um, but, you know, you can always reach out to my office. I have no problem um, once I get into my email responding to people eventually. So <laughs> I would love to hear from you. Um, I'm really excited, especially for people that want to put their, put their hat in the ring and get this done. Well, I definitely encourage you to follow Katie on Twitter at Katie Rosenberg. Um, you'll learn all about not just what she's talking about today, you might learn about goats and other fun things. <laughs> so it's worth following her regardless. Uh, thank you, Katie. And I really wish you the best of luck in uh, the coming months and years as we progress out of this pandemic. Yeah, thank you. And good luck to you. When is your election? My election, it, my the primaries in May. And so it's this year. My term is up. Um, I don't think I have an opponent. So oh, it's... Okay, well, you got this then. I hope so. I, <laughs> I if, Hopefully not too many write-ins against you. <laughs> if people, you know, the nice thing, like you said, I think, um, while I'm a pretty, in some ways, pretty partisan, when you govern in a way where you're listening to people, you become less partisan as a result. People care more about governing than they do about what's next to your name. Yeah. And and it's fun. We've, we've made friends. Our, their council and people are largely friends with each other now as opposed to just people who are in office together that is great there's hope there is hope and then you can teach have congress let's do this oh uh, well well we have a good congress member we like her so we'll, <laughs> i don't need to teach her much but um and she did my podcast so you can follow <laughs> madeline dean she's terrific um okay awesome thank you so much katie and again best of luck and i hope to uh i almost i wanted to go to wisconsin last year i was i had plans my wife's friend lives I don't know where she lives in Wisconsin, but we were going to go there, maybe get involved in DNC stuff. Were you? Yeah. I bet you were so crushed to yeah. have this cool thing in your you backyard. Know, all of the things that I had to cancel, we couldn't do DNC. I had tickets to inauguration. Obviously couldn't do that. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, you're going to get to do cool This is our year. Things. We're going to plan and we're going to win and we're going to do great things. And 
And Katie's going to do great things in Wisconsin. So uh, thank you so much for taking your time to talk with me today. Yeah, thank you for having me.